Hello, friends. I have a quick question for you. When are your best times for thinking? When are your best times for thinking? If you're having difficulty answering that question coming up on Help Me Think, I will help you answer it. But first, let's learn a little more about our title sponsor, Business Furniture. Help Me Think is sponsored by Business Furniture, a 100-year-old organization focusing on innovation since 1922. That's right. You heard me correctly. Business Furniture just celebrated its 100th anniversary of creating spaces where people can work better, learn better, and feel better. They truly are the experts when it comes to creating spaces where employees can show up and do their best thinking and best work. As you all know, hybrid work has gone mainstream, and it's one of the biggest economic and cultural changes facing leaders today. Most organizations that choose hybrid work are trying to offer a balance between the flexibility that people want and the need to bring employees together to foster collaboration and innovation. And these guys know how to do it. So let Business Furniture help build a sense of community for your company. Check them out at businessfurniture.net. And now, back to our episode. Welcome back. Now, if you listened in on the previous episode, you'll recall that we discussed that the top performing executives are visionary, strategic, and critical thinkers who think in three ways, long-term and short-term, vertically and horizontally. And this is mission critical for the work that they are doing, so much so that they know when their best times for thinking are, and they carve out and protect these times on their calendar. And in the last episode, I promised to help you do the same. So that's what we're going to do in this episode. With that, let's go ahead and get after it. So let's start with a little bit of reflection. I'd like for you to think back over the last three to six months and think back as to when your best ideas or solutions to problems that you were trying to address came to you. Take just a moment and think about that. When did your best ideas and solutions come to you in the last three to six months? Where were you and what were you doing? Were you at home engaged in some sort of activity like doing some chores Um, Or were you perhaps exercising uh, or were you at work in a meeting, sitting in front of your computer, letting your mind wander as you stared out the window? Where were you and what were you doing? And then the next thing we want to layer on top of that would be in what mental state were you? When your best ideas came to you, what was your mental state? Now, I'm going to give you a really easy, really easy, really simple way to identify what your mental state was. And we're going to do that by asking two questions. When your best ideas came to you, given where you were and what you were doing, how were you feeling in that moment? In that moment, how were you feeling? And I'd like for you to think about this on a spectrum from unpleasant to pleasant. In fact, in your mind, imagine a horizontal line. And on the far left of that horizontal line would be the word unpleasant. And on the far right of that horizontal line would be the word pleasant. So on a spectrum from unpleasant to pleasant, how were you feeling when your best ideas came to you in the last three to six months? 
close your eyes. If you can safely do that as you're sitting here to listening to this podcast, close your eyes and plot an imaginary dot on that horizontal line. Okay. You got that? Now, here's the second question. We're going to do the same thing, only this time with your level of arousal or your level of alertness. When your best ideas came to you over the last three to six months, given where you were and what you were doing, what was your level of arousal? And instead of using a horizontal line, this time we're going to use a vertical line. So imagine a vertical line, and at the bottom are the words calm and low energy. And at the top of the vertical line are the words alert, high energy. And that's the spectrum from calm and low energy to alert and high energy. Where were you? Imagine that vertical line. Were you all the way at the bottom? Were you all the way at the top? Or were you somewhere in between? Take a moment, plot a dot on that vertical line. Now, here's what we're going to do next. Those of you that are watching via YouTube, obviously you can see what's on my screen. Those of you that are listening in via uh, your favorite podcast app, what I will do is I will describe to you what our YouTube viewers are seeing on the screen. And I will do my best to describe it in a way that it's easy for you to grasp it and capture it and really understand what it is that I'm sharing with you. So here we go. On the screen that I have right now, I have a grid with four quadrants, a very simple grid with four quadrants. And at the bottom of that grid, is a horizontal line, which of course is the x-axis. And that x-axis represents how you were feeling when your best ideas came to you. On the far left, of course, is the word unpleasant. On the far right is the word pleasant. And of course, you have your imaginary dot plotted somewhere on that line, either all the way to the far left, all the way to the far right, or somewhere in the middle. And again, that line represents how you were feeling when your best ideas came to you, from pleasant to unpleasant. Now, also on this grid, we have the y-axis, which is off to the left. And that y-axis, of course, is the vertical line that represents your level of arousal or alertness. And again, at the bottom of that vertical line would be calm, low energy. And at the top of that vertical line would be alert and high energy. And again, you plotted your dot somewhere on that line to represent what you assessed as your level of alertness or your level of arousal or your level of energy when your best ideas came to you over the last three to six months. Now, the next thing I'd like for you to do, as you probably have already anticipated, is we need to find out where those two dots intersect on our grid. So you're going to imagine in your mind drawing a vertical line from wherever your dot is plotted at the bottom of the grid, you're going to draw a vertical line straight up. And then on the y-axis, wherever your dot is plotted, you're going to draw a horizontal line from the left to the right. And eventually, those two lines are going to intersect, and they will intersect in one of these four quadrants. And in each of these quadrants, in just a moment, I'm going to share with you what is in them. And ultimately, what is in each of these four quadrants would be 20 words. In each quadrant, there are 20 words, and each of these words represent a feeling. So here's what I'd like to do next. 
you drew these two lines. They intersected in one of these quadrants. As I share with you the words in each of these quadrants, I'd like for you to assess whether or not that comes pretty close to how you were feeling when your best ideas came to you. So here we go. We're going to start with the bottom left-hand quadrant, which would represent feeling unpleasant. So when my best ideas came to me, I was actually in an, feeling quite unpleasant and I was pretty calm with low energy. If your two lines intersected in that quadrant, it's likely that what you were feeling at that time was one or more of these feelings. So bear with me. I am going to read all of them to you because I don't want anybody to miss out on a feeling that might be appropriate for whatever it was that they were feeling when their best ideas came to them. So here we go. Were you feeling apathetic, bored, tired, fatigued, or drained? Or perhaps maybe you were feeling just down, sad, disheartened, exhausted, spent, disappointed, discouraged, lonely, sullen, desolate, glum, morose, miserable, depressed, hopeless, and last but not least, disgusted, pessimistic, alienated, despondent, or feeling despair. Does that represent what you were feeling if when you drew your two lines, they intersected in this quadrant? Now, let's just go ahead and throw out there what everybody is probably thinking at this point. How can our best ideas come to us when we're feeling that way and we have low energy and we're not feeling all that alert? Well, you're right. It's not very often that I will have someone that I'm working with, their lines will intersect in that quadrant. So um, it's unlikely that that anybody listening to this podcast or watching online at YouTube landed in this quadrant. But if you did, I would love to know. Let me know because I would definitely want to talk to you to understand what it is about being in this place, this mental state that brings the best ideas and solutions out of you. But but for most people, it's unlikely that this is the mental state that they're going to be in when their best ideas come to them. So that being said, let's move on to the next quadrant. And let's go ahead and go around our, um, our grid here. We're going to go to the top left. We just looked at the bottom left. Now we're going to look at the top left. And again, the top left represents feeling unpleasant, yet having a high level of alertness and a high level of energy. If your two lines intersected in that quadrant, here are the feelings that you may have been feeling when those best ideas came to you. Perhaps shocked, stunned, restless, annoyed, peeved, jittery, tense, nervous, irritated, uneasy, stressed, frustrated, angry, worried, concerned, panicked, furious, frightened, apprehensive, troubled, and lastly, enraged, livid, fuming, anxious, or repulsed. Those of you whose lines intersected in that top left quadrant where you were feeling unpleasant but really alert, do any of those feelings represent how you were feeling when your best ideas came to you in the last three to six months? And again, just like that, that bottom left quadrant, I know for a lot of you, it would be um, really surprising if that's where people's best ideas come from them when they're in that kind of mental state. It, it's unlikely, but I guess it's possible. So if any of you had your two lines intersect in that top left quadrant, I would love to know about it as well, because it's not very often that I will hear of that happening. 
So let's go ahead and shift over to the quadrant in the top right. And if your two lines intersected in this quadrant, it means that when your best ideas and solutions came to you, you were feeling really pleasant, feeling really good. Plus, you were pretty alert. You had a high level of energy, which means it's possible you were feeling one of these ways. Ecstatic, elated, excited, thrilled, blissful, exhilarated, inspired, optimistic, proud, playful, festive, motivated, enthusiastic, focused, and hopeful, or upbeat, cheerful, lively, happy, joyful, surprised, hyper, energized, pleased, and pleasant. So take just a moment, and for those of you whose lines intersected in that top right quadrant, how close do some of those feelings come to how you were truly feeling over the last three to six months when your best ideas came to you? And then we're going to move on now to the bottom right quadrant, the final quadrant. In the bottom right quadrant, if your lines intersected here, what you were ultimately saying is that I was feeling pretty pleasant, pretty good, but I was pretty calm with low to medium energy. And if that was true for you, here are the feelings that you might have been experiencing. Fulfilled, touched, balanced, carefree, serene, loving, grateful, feeling blessed, comfy, maybe even cozy, content, satisfied, restful, peaceful, tranquil, easygoing, secure, chill, thoughtful, complacent, and at ease, calm, relaxed, mellow, and sleepy. This is a really easy way at any given point in time to assess how you're feeling. This is called the mood meter. We're going to talk about this, this mood meter in, in um, a lot more depth when uh, we talk about emotional regulation in an upcoming episode. So keep a, keep a lookout for that because we're going to talk about the mood meter in way more detail when we talk about emotional regulation. But for now, what I'll do is in the show notes, I'll put a couple of links to it so that you can learn a little more about it if you want to. But today we're using it because I want you to use it to assess how you were feeling when your best ideas came to you in the last three to six months. Where were you? What were you doing? How were you feeling from pleasant to unpleasant? And how alert or aroused were you? Now, the last thing we need to do is we're going to layer on top of that something called flow theory. There is, uh, or there was a Hungarian American psychologist. His name is Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. And if I've uh, mispronounced that, surely somebody will let me know. But I think I think I got that right. Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. He's a Hungarian American psychologist who recognized and named the psychological concept of flow. Now I suspect if you're listening to this, um, you probably have heard about flow. It's a it's a topic that's been around for quite some time. Part of the reason is because Mihai. Uh, brought it to everybody's awareness that that there's a highly focused mental state that's conducive to productivity that we all can get into. It's called a state of flow. And in flow theory, Mihai describes eight emotional states of mind in which someone can be when they're undertaking some sort of task or activity. 
And there's a really good reason that I want to layer this on top of what we just did with the mood meter is because, it, well, it's a very simple reason too. It's going to give you some insight into what your mental state is or what your ideal mental state is for visionary, strategic, creative, and critical thinking. So here's how we're going to do this. We're going to return back to that bottom left quadrant where we have low arousal and we're feeling unpleasant. That's the bottom left quadrant. And flow theory says that if we're in that bottom left quadrant, it's likely we're feeling apathetic or bored. So when we're feeling apathetic or we're, we're, we're bored or we're feeling um, a sense of indifference, it's not really an ideal state to be in when we're really trying to get into a state of thinking that's going to allow us to come up with uh, solutions to the problems that we're trying to address or creative ideas for, for how to handle situations or, or, or to move forward. So let's go ahead and move up to that top left quadrant where we're feeling high arousal. However, we're still feeling unpleasant. Well, according to flow theory, the reason that we are in that state is because we are threatened for some reason, which means we are probably in freeze, fight, or flight mode. Or we're worried. We're simply worried for some reason. Just like that bottom left quadrant, this top left quadrant where we're feeling worried or threatened and we're in a mode of freeze, flight, or fight, it's unlikely that this is going to be ideal for critical thinking as well. Because quite honestly, we're in a state of survival. We're struggling. Something externally is going on. And we're having to deal with it. That's why our arousal level is high. That's why our energy level is high. But we're not feeling so good. It's not an ideal state for critical, visionary, strategic thinking. Which now takes us to the top right quadrant. The top right quadrant, as a reminder, is where we're feeling really aroused. And we're feeling pretty pleasant. So we're feeling pretty good. We're feeling alert and our energy level is, is high and we're rocking and rolling. Well, according to flow theory, the mental state that we're in is either a ramped, ramped up high arousal mental state or a flow state. When we hear about people being in the zone, their energy level is high. They're feeling really alert and they're feeling really good. Flow is simply this. Flow is a peak performance state where you're feeling your best and you're able to do your best work. It's a mental state of intense concentration and complete immersion in an engaging activity. Again, I want to say that again. It is a mental state of intense, excuse me, intense concentration and complete immersion in an engaging activity, an activity that we find engaging. When we are in flow, when we are in the zone, it is really easy to lose track of time and space because we're experiencing great enjoyment and inner peace. And lastly, it's likely that whatever we're engaged in is challenging enough to push us and to test our skills. So now the question becomes, is, is this flow state of elegant, effortless movement, a good state to be in for visionary, critical, strategic, and creative thinking. Is this a good state to be in? The answer is possibly. 
possibly. And here's why. The guys over at flowgenomeproject.com. I don't know these guys, but I've read up on their work. I've taken their assessment. Other than that, I have no affiliation with them. But the guys over at Flow Genome Project have identified four flow profiles, and they now have an assessment that you can take to identify which of these flow profiles you fall into. So the four are these, crowd pleaser, flow goer, hard charger, and deep thinker. I'll say, I'll say those again for those of you that are listening in um, via podcast app here. Uh, crowd pleaser, flow goer, hard charger, and deep thinker. Now, in the show notes, I'll put a link to this assessment if you're interested in, in going over and taking over taking this free assessment to decide to determine what your flow profile is. And the reason I'm bringing it up today in this episode is, as you can imagine, that final flow profile of deep thinker. For a certain portion of the population, their flow is one of deep thinking. And here's how the guys over at Flow Genome Project describe it. Your flow dream state consists of you, yourself, and you getting finally uninterrupted time to do what you love most. You tend to seek flow through creative, reflective, often soothingly repetitive work that lets your mind wander, lets your nervous system relax deeply, and lets your muse come through with something delightful. Now, when I took the assessment, surprise, surprise, or not much of a surprise, depending on how you want to look at it, my flow profile is, in fact, deep thinking. I can sit for hours and just let myself and my mind wonder. And I can look up five, six hours later and think, oh, my goodness, look at the time that has passed. I just can get so engaged in deep thinking that I enjoy it so immensely and uh, that that time just just kind of passes by. But when I'm when I'm done and I'm out of that flow, I have a lot of things to show for it. Sure, I didn't get a whole lot of action items actually done, but a lot of times when I'm in that flow state that my best ideas are coming out and I'm making sure that I'm capturing them um, or I'm really thinking critically through challenges that, that I'm trying to help clients think through or perhaps I'm uh, thinking critically about opportunities that sit in front of me or my clients. And when I'm out of that flow state, I have just pushed my mind beyond where it was when I first started, and I'm farther down the path to either getting to a solution or I have actually gotten to a solution. That's why I just love deep thinking, and that's why I can lose track of time when I'm engaged in it. So for those of you whose, whose lines intersected on the mood meter in the top right-hand corner, I'm wondering if your flow state is deep thinking as well. Now, only you can answer that, but now you have an opportunity to continue to observe yourself over the next three to six months and to ask yourself, when I get into a flow and, and I am really feeling my best and doing my best work, am I engaged in deep thinking? And you can go over to Flow Genome Project and take the assessment as well. And again, the link will be in the show notes. So <clears throat> that's something to consider. Now, for those of you whose lines did not intersect in that top right-hand corner, chances are this is not a good mental state for you to be in for deep thinking, for critical thinking, visionary thinking, or strategic thinking, because your flow is one of action. 
it's one of movement. It's one of actually getting things done. Maybe um, your flow state is the crowd pleaser state where you get into the flow when we're actually with other people and engaged in activities with other people. And that's unlikely to be conducive to you know the kind of thinking that is necessary when we're trying to be visionary and strategic and creative. But um, it's possible. I contend that unless you are a deep thinker, you get into that flow state of deep thinking, it's really unlikely that that top left quadrant where you're really alert, high energy, and feeling good is going to be your best time for thinking, which then leads me now to the final quadrant in the top bottom right quadrant, if you remember, that's the low arousal state, but still feeling pleasant, according to the mood meter. And when we layer flow theory on top of that, what we see is that when we are in that bottom right corner, we are in a mental state that is what we call a low tension emotional state, a low tension emotional state. We are feeling very relaxed. We're feeling very in control. And that is when um, we are engaged in mindful execution, which is an ideal cognitive state for exploration, learning, and growth. Now, the question becomes, why is that? Why is that, Starla? And I think it's a really good Good question, because typically when I ask people to try to guess which of these four quadrants would be ideal um, for doing your best thinking, almost everybody pops up into that, uh, that, that, that top right quadrant because we think, oh, well, we should be feeling good and we should have lots of energy. But that's not necessarily true. If we are wanting to do our best thinking, sometimes it's best to be able to bring our energy level down, to get into a more calm, peaceful, rested state where we can allow our mind to wander. Now, just, just a second, I, just take a second and think about how you first, how you answered my first question. My first question was, over the last three to six months, when did your best ideas come to you? Where were you and what were you doing? How many of you answered with answers like this? Well, quite honestly, Starla, my best thoughts come to me when I'm exercising. Maybe you're at the gym on the elliptical. Maybe you're lifting weights. Maybe you're outside running. You're engaged in some sort of physical activity. And that's when your best ideas come to you. How many of you said, sometimes my best ideas come to me when I'm in the shower? I know that's true for me. When my husband and I first started dating, he was so surprised when he would see me come barreling out of the shower, soaking wet, towel wrapped around me, and I would come barreling out of the shower and I would go run into my office. And it was because an answer to a question that I have been trying to work through finally came to me when I was in the shower and I didn't want to lose that answer. So I would have to run to my office and, and write it down or I would finally figure out how I wanted to say something, maybe during a presentation or, or just in, in working with a client. And I wanted to make sure I captured those words. So I would come running out of the shower. Now he thinks nothing of it, right? He knows exactly what I'm doing. She's in the shower. Her mind is relaxed and all the answers are coming to her. And now she's got to get to her office and make sure she captures them. Now, how many of you said, well, you know, doing chores around the house, 
when I'm just doing chores around the house, maybe I'm cleaning or doing some yard work. That's really my best thinking time. If any of you answered that way, there's a reason for it. And it's because you were probably in this relaxed mental state where you're just calm. Your energy level isn't too terribly high. Now, it's not all the way on the ground, but, you, you know, your, your energy level is just kind of low to medium. But you're feeling good. You're feeling pleasant. And that is the best place in most times for your mind to do its best thinking. There's something called theta. When we drift asleep at night and when we wake up in the morning, our brain is in what we call a theta state. And theta is simply a mid-length pattern that's associated with daydreaming. It's a barely conscious, semi-lucid state that we are in just before we drift asleep and after we awake in the morning when our relaxed mind has extraordinary access to its subconscious realms. And you guys know that most of the time, the, the thinking that we need to do and the information we need to access is in our subconscious. That's why people say sleep on it, right? When we go to bed at night or like we're dealing with something, something difficult and we have a coach or a friend or a colleague that says, you know what, stop thinking about it and just sleep on it because in the morning, your answers will probably be there. This is why. It's because when you're sleeping on it, you're accessing now your subconscious mind and that's where the answers lie. So theta is this semi-lucid state that we're in when we're exiting our conscious realms and we're starting to move into our subconscious realms and we're in theta as we're waking up in the morning and um, as we're falling asleep at night and, and in theta is a brief period of creativity and insight that is most capable of profound learning healing and growth and so what we know is that when we're mowing the lawn or we're engaged in exercise or we're, we're brushing our teeth or we're driving to work or we're driving somewhere, we can get into a daydreaming state that is very similar or somewhat close to theta. And that daydreaming state, when we're in it, we are accessing our subconscious realm. Hopefully that makes sense. If not, of course, you guys know you have the option to go online to the website, starlawest.com forward slash podcast to ask your questions. Because I, I know that this is um, somewhat of a difficult uh, thing to, to share, especially in a podcast. When um, if, you're, if you're just listening on your podcast app and you're not watching on YouTube, you can't even see the visuals. But hopefully I've explained it enough that, that, that helps you understand why when we look at these four quadrants, the top right and the bottom right are going to be most ideal for uh, engaging in creative thinking. So now the question becomes, what do you want me to do with all of, this, all of this, Starla? Which is a great question. So I asked you, when do your best ideas and solutions come to you? Where are you? What are you doing? What are you feeling? And lastly, how alert are you? That's what I asked you. And then we use the mood meter and we combined it with flow theory to identify what your mental state might be when your best ideas come to you. 
for some of you, or for most of you, I would say that you're either going to be in a ramped up, aroused mental state, a, a state of flow where you're in the zone, or you're in a state of control of mindful execution, or you're in a very relaxed, low tension emotional state. But th what's most important is that you know what's ideal for you. And the easiest way to do that, the easiest way to answer that is to go through those questions that I just asked. And this all, this calls for reflection, guys. Sorry, you guys are all going to find that that when you work with me, I um, ask you a lot of questions that that call for reflection. So if you're having difficulty answering those questions right now, no worries. Don't worry about it at all because you have the opportunity now over the next three to six months to just observe yourself in action, and and to make sure that when good ideas come to you or solutions finally come to you, or you feel like, man, I just did some great thinking that you press the pause button and you ask yourself, okay, what was I doing? Where was I? How was I feeling? And how alert was I? Because once you start to recognize those patterns of when and where your best ideas come to you and in what mental state you are in, the next thing you can do is you can reflect on how do I build more of this into my calendar? Top performing executives can tell you when throughout the week their best thinking times are. They can tell you what time of day their best thinking times are. They can tell you where, like the location, is it at home? Is it at work? Is it when I'm in the car driving? Is it when I'm at the gym exercising? They know when and where they can do their best thinking. And then they get it on their calendar and they protect it with their life. Because if thinking, whether it be thinking in a visionary way, a strategic way, a critical way, or creative way, if thinking is important to the quality of work that you're doing and the outcomes that you seek, then top priority has got to be Finding out when your best times are and protecting them on the calendar, no matter what anybody else says, because it's going to vary from person to person. I know for me, Mondays and Tuesdays are my best thinking days, and those are blocked off on my calendar. And my assistant knows not to schedule anything on those days without asking me first. And the only time she's supposed to ask me if she can schedule anything on those days is if it's for a client or if it's for a prospective client. Other than that, nobody's getting on my calendar because Mondays and Tuesdays are truly my best days. And really my best thinking time is when I'm working out, which is why I prioritize that. And I make sure that gets done every day throughout the week, because I know out of that exercise is not only going to be improved mental health and physical health, but the byproduct of it is going to be uh, the opportunity to think through the things that I know I need to think through or work through in order to you know, do my best work for my clients on a daily basis. But that may be different for you, right? So that's why I'm throwing these questions out there for you is I really want you to think about the answers to the questions for you because that's all that matters. What are the answers for you? And then how do you start building more of this into your computer or computer into your calendar and you start protecting it? Now, the last thing you also want to think about is when I'm engaged in this really productive thinking time, what mechanisms are in place 
to make sure I'm capturing all the good that's coming out of that thinking time. As you heard me say earlier, when I'm in the shower, I used to go running to my office to get pen and paper. But now what I've gotten used to doing is keeping pen and paper in the in the restroom with me so that when I can jump out of the shower, I don't have to go running through the house. Now I can just jump out of the shower and make my notes there. Or when I'm exercising, I make sure I have my phone with me, <clears throat> excuse me, because I don't want to stop and write anything down. But due to wonderful technology that we have available today, I can just talk into my phone and, and voice record everything that's coming out of my thinking. So that's going to differ from person to person as well. All that matters is that you find a mechanism that works for you, that's easy to use, so that you will consistently do it and to make sure that, you know, it just isn't something fleeting, right? Don't come up with some creative idea that is really cool, but it's complex and you know you're not going to be able to sustain it. Come up with something that works for you. So what are your next steps? Go to starlawest.com forward slash podcast and on the page for this particular episode, make sure you share with me your feedback. Ask your questions. If you had any ahas or any insight that came out of today's episode, make sure you share that with me. And if you have best practices that you want to share with me and everyone else, please do that. Share with me what works for you. What seems to be your best time and, the, and what mechanisms do you use to make sure you capture the best of your thinking? The more you share, the, the more that we all share, the more we'll be able to learn from each other. And that's what this is all about. And don't forget, there's a downloadable worksheet. It's free. So if you were only listening in on um, a podcast app and you didn't have the opportunity to watch this via YouTube, don't worry. If you download that free worksheet, everything that I described to you that was on my screen, I will have that in the free worksheet so that you can have access to it as well. And then lastly, there will be links in the show notes to everything that we discussed. Um, so if there's anything that you're interested in learning more about, make sure you go out, take a look at those show notes because there will be links. I'm Starla West, your host, and I will see you again soon on Help Me Think.